Hello and welcome to a very special, special episode of uh, The Clayton Crowbar, a podcast about gaming and other things. Uh, today in our Other Things special uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about a game, uh, which has kind of become uncommon for our uh, special podcast. Anyway, we're going to be talking about the uh, uh, Castlevania series. And by we, I mean me, Alex Wiltshire, and... You, Jamie. Hello. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm glad you could. We, we finally, we've been talking about doing this for quite a long time now, uh, which is just as well uh, because it's given me enough time to actually play what's actually turned out to be a far bigger back catalogue than I actually, well, I mean, I kind of knew it intellectually, but <laughs> to actually play the games, yeah, there, there are a lot of Castlevanias. There's a lot of hours in those castles. Yes, and a lot of backtracking to be done through the same spaces over and over again, swatting at uh, lanterns as you do so. Um, I mean, I think luckily one thing about them is there's a pretty well agreed upon canon to the games, even though there are billions of them spun off in various different directions and remakes and stuff like that. Um, but luckily, yeah, I think generally the mainline games are all pretty pretty set in stone as to the ones that you should and you shouldn't play. So at least there's that. <laughs> and I think it's going to be all quality all the way down for this evening. <laughs> We're going, just to warn anyone who, um, who, 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 who knows more about Castlevania than us, um, uh, you'll be disappointed <laughs> because <laughs> we are not going to be completists about this. Um, we, 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 what we want to do is quite a sort of a personal uh, or our personal histories of, of the series. Um, we're not going to do it chronologically. We're not even going to talk about it in the order of how good they are. Um, we're just going to talk about them in, in the sort of the headspace, I suppose, that they, they exist in um, and partly in the order in which we encountered them in our lives um, because it turns out that Jamie and I kind of played them in a very similar, um, you know, similar order, um, maybe because we are British and that puts us in a sort of slightly strange international position with the series. Yeah, it's it's very weird to play Castlevania games whilst being British because, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, no one had Nintendos, really. Everyone had a kind of grab-bab collection of weirdo computers from the 80s, you know, Amstrads and Amigas and, and stuff like that. And if you did have a proper console, it was a Sega one. Um, and so Nintendo stuff didn't really come into play in my life at all was when you know people got N64s and started playing um, GoldenEye and stuff like that. Um, exactly. Castlevania, if I ever played it, was like a game that you would play on someone's Game Boy and it would be too hard uh, immediately and then you'd stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was like the, the whole of my experience with Castlevania throughout the 90s, um, uh, pretty much. Um so yeah, it's it's amazing to kind of I, I think uh, you know if you're American, you probably have much more of a grounding in quite how you know um, incredible the games were even in in that era, um, and you kind of had a sort of sense to to build on as the games sort of entered the, the their sort of second iteration when they became the the Metroidvanias that they are today. Um, but if you don't have that, it's just very weird to uh you know start in on like like we did with something like symphony of the night which is a whole different thing um and kind of realize that there is this whole other thing before that as well 
Yeah, exactly. And I think um, having played uh, Castle Ver- uh, uh, Symphony of the Night over the past week or so, I realised that I never really understood that game, or at least I understood one uh, kind of layer of it until now. I only used to understand the the kind of the fun, you know, just itselfness. It's it's roving. You've got a castle. You can rush around it, you know, in this open way, uh, and you duff up a load of monsters, kind of, without really being particularly challenged um, at most points. And um, but now, yeah, I'm realizing that there's a, there's a shitload of another layer to it, which um, we'll talk about in a minute. But um, so, you, presumably, Jamie, you you played it on PlayStation, more or less, where it came when it came out, or did you come into it even after then? Symphony of the Night. No, Symphony of the Night I played on, uh, you know, relatively recently, I'd say in the last six or seven years for the first time. Uh, and I played it on, on emulator. Um, okay. I mean, I'm going to fess up here and admit to stealing almost all of these games um, <laughs> at some point or another, uh, just downloading the ROMs and playing them on an emulator. And my defenses, I mean, I guess you know, they could come and arrest me. My defense is as soon as it was possible for me to actually buy any of these in any real sense, I did. So I had now purchased copies of Symphony of the Night and all the Nintendo games on the advanced collections that have come out, you know, recently. Um, but no, I played it. I played this for the first time on a, on a PlayStation emulator. I mean, it didn't come out in, in apart from anything else, it didn't come out in the UK. It came, out on the, it came out on the, the 360. It was a 360 version. Oh, on the 360 eventually, maybe, but yeah. Yeah, t- t- I don't know, 2009 or something like that. Yeah, that was when cool. I played it. That's when yes. I played it. And um, and I, I, I was aware of its... Um, obviously, I was aware, very aware of its um, um, uh, uh, like prestige at that point. And, and I remember just playing it playing it extensively but of course the big secret from uh, had been um uh kind of revealed like i knew that i knew about what happens when you finish the game um which we'll talk about because it's not exactly <laughs> we don't have to worry about spoilers now probably <laughs> <laughs> but the inverted castle um so i that wasn't a big shock and um but up until that point um I was, I remember being, because I'd been, I was really into the Metroid games and I just loved the chance to just play another Metroid. Because at the time there weren't many uh, Metroid, Metroidvania games around, sort of late noughties. Um, and, you know, playing on 360, you know, that was good. The horrible pad, horrible pad. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, that like it's because, you know, particularly with indie games recently, like a, a Metroidvania has become one of the sort of um, primary forms if you're going to make, if you're a sort of, you know, up and coming indie company and you want to sort of, you know, particularly if you want to sort of show off your pixel art or something like that, that's kind of, you know, a, a way that you might go. But there was a huge gulf of time there where there was kind of nothing at all, really. And, and Symphony of the Night, you know, it's, it's a timeless game. So it kind of fits into that space pretty, pretty completely. Um, so would you want, do you want to sort of define what uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is, Alex? Because I'm sure there are people listening who haven't played, played it. So, uh, it follows, it very much follows, uh, the, the, the Metroid template, which is you start the game super powerful. You are Alucard, um, who I had no idea about when I started playing the game, but you are, um, Dracula's half vampire son. And uh, you've come to 
Dracula's castle, um, having heard that 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 dude um, is going to uh, be resurrected. Oh shit! Though you know what I'm doing though, I've forgotten to um, to, uh, to to talk about the very start of the game because the very start of the game is actually okay. Now I'll come back to that bit. I'll come back to it. There's so much to talk about with this game. It's going to take ages. This podcast. Anyway. It's a ludicrously maximalist <laughs> game. It's kind of insane, really. Let's let's just. Do this Alucard thing first. So, uh, your Alucard, super powerful. You, 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 you rush in. You, at the start of the game, the first you see, you walk, you're in the forest. The, the, the camera is panning along. It's obviously a 2D game, uh, and through a forest. And there's Alucard moonwalking forwards. I'd say that's his animation. It's definitely a moonwalk, but he only, but he does it facing forwards rather than backwards. It's an amazing animation. It's so, uh, it doesn't match the floor <laughs> at all. Like, there's no attempt to to make his his foot movements match the the speed at which he's kind of mo- moving across the flagstones. Uh, but boy, God, it's got style. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's rushing through, and he rushes through the forest, uh, 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 crosses a drawbridge into a into a uh, um, um, into into a castle, and bam. The game starts. You then just walk through uh, uh, through the, a corridor, um, uh, down a hallway. There are massive wolves. They die in a single hit. Um, <laughs> the music is guitars uh, and synths, and and you just feel great. And you're just going through. Zombies appear. Bam, bam, bam. There's stuff to smash up. You just run through, run through. Hits one hit kills all the way through. Uh, you you step through a few different rooms after that point, and then you meet Death, and Death takes away all of your weapons. He, uh, Death knows you because you're Dracula's son, and he's upset that he's, <laughs> you've come to kill Dracula. Um, uh, and um, and then he's off, and that's the start. And that 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 and that mirrors the the Metroid template, which generally has Samus powerful at the start of the game, uh, loses all her weapons and uh, suit upgrades. And gives you a reason to reclaim them again. It gives you a taste of the power that you'll have towards the end of the game. And uh, Sympathy of the Night um, knows the, the the effectiveness of that template and um, and sets you on it here. That that is that about right? So I would say, yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, and the, <laughs> the, uh, it's uh, I think you conjure very well the amount of style and joy that the game kind of pumps straight into you uh, right from the off i mean i'll add a plus one to the music of the game which is just extraordinary yeah um you know it's this kind of mad mixture of uh you know like guitars and organs and a kind of weird crazy symphonic heavy metal kind of um vibe which just never gets old really it's a timeless yeah. soundtrack for a sort of timeless game um, it's huge as well. I mean, I, I didn't really appreciate just how huge that soundtrack is until, you know, until I've been playing it over the past week. Yeah, there it's colossal. It's so much work that's gone into it. And yeah. it's like, it's it's such a monumental soundtrack that there's like, you know, that band Dragon Force basically lifted their sound wholesale from that game soundtrack. You know, it's like kind of <laughs> ridiculously over the top vibe. And just, yeah, the style with which you move, your your the, the, the pixel art on your character is fantastic. You leave kind of shadow trails behind you as you jump. Um, and like all Castlevania games, really, it is ultimately a game about jumping and attacking while you're jumping often. <laughs> that's kind of, 
the main thematic basis of every Castlevania game, and it's the main thread that that, that kind of flows through them is the joy in jumping and attacking at the same time, um, <laughs> which is, you know, it's something that that game just really like fetishizes to such a degree, um, you know, through how the enemies are designed, how the weapons are designed, you know, the way yeah. the Morning Star has an animation where it kind of mm. swings forward in just this kind of ludicrously like pendulum motion and to sort of knock down whatever's in your path, you know, and everything is just kind of the feeling of it, you know, is just glorious. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it really is super special. And, um, but um, what, what I forgot, like, and, and it's, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the whole thing about the jumping and, 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 and hitting, because that is a, a real fundamental, the whole series. And, and and I was thinking, oh, we're gonna have. To, I, I I think we'd better wait to talk about that until the end of the podcast when we go back back to the very earliest days of this this series. But actually, um, I'd forgotten the fact that um, at the very 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 start of the game, um, which absolutely confused me when I played it the first time, I had no idea what was going on. Um, I I just didn't know anything about what the, the, that section is refer, uh, referencing. And that is the fact that you start the game at the end of the game uh, that, that this is meant to be the sequel, story sequel to. And that game is Rondo of Blood. And it has you as Simon Belmont. Yeah, Simon Belmont, isn't it? Is Simon I Belmont think it, I th- a Belmont? I think it's Simon, yeah. Yeah, one of the Belmonts. They're all uh, the same. They're the, all uh, the same character. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you're not playing, this isn't Symphony of the Night. You're playing this kind of pixel-perfect rendition of an older game, a game that came out on um, PC Engine uh, originally, and we'll we'll talk about it in more depth later on. But um, It's uh, also it totally confusing because it, it, it puts up a title that says Bloodlines. That's which right. Is the which is the, the last name. level. <laughs> it's the name of the last <laughs> level of, of Rondo of Blood, but also the name of another Castlevania game. So it's so like, deeply confusing. Yeah, it was, apparently it is called Rondo Blood in Japan. That 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 it does that's the subtitle uh, in Japan, which does make a lot more sense and kind of at least directs your attention a little bit better, right? Yeah, but because it's pixel perfect. Like it, you, you're you're controlling like the old style controls, and it's all very stiff. And we'll talk about all this um, later on properly, but um, but you know, there the the jump and attack is fundamental. Um, uh, and you, you just you, you fight the final boss um, of the game, who is Dracula. So it's a it's a it's a flashback at the very start of the game, which shows what happened to Dracula at the end of um, the game before uh, Symphony of Light, which is audacious. It really is. I mean, maybe it's not so audacious for an audience that actually knows the series. For a poor British boy, not I wasn't a boy, but for poor British people, um, it was very confusing. <laughs> Well, the fact that they start having this conversation, which is instantly nonsense, like a talking <laughs> absolute bollocks straight from the start in a, to an iconic degree, you know, bag of secrets and all that sort of stuff, um, which if you end up playing Rondo of Blood, you realise is, is a holdover from that game where Dracula and Belmont talk in like mad philosophical uh, like kind of arguments to each other. But out of context, I find like positively deranged the way they're talking to each other at the start of the game. It just seems so weird, um, you know. And the fact that he sort of smashes a wine glass like a you know this kind of big flouncy movement as well. It's, it's beautiful. Kind of... <laughs> it's great. It's so camp and ridiculous. Um, exactly. 
And it really that you know that in camp this, this is a camp game. It's definitely a camp game. So that it just fits this sort of like uh, I'm I am um, I watched um um uh oh no Jamie I'm th- thank goodness you're here because I've forgotten the film name and you'll know it. Uh, the Vampire film with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Interview with the Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. I watched that a couple of, um, um, a couple of weeks ago and I was, I was fascinated by its, um, I mean, I was kind of half aware of it, but it was fascinating to be reminded of the style of vampires at the time. I think that came out maybe just around the time of Sympathy, um, uh, Symphony of the Night. And it was very much the, uh, the, uh, the gothic high romance um uh as vampires of sad posh people with long hair um being sad yeah, long about long hair and they have a and plunging necklines with ruffled collars that's kind of exactly <laughs> and that is that is that is that is simply the night's take on on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, it's I, it, fabulous really um it, it, I mean, it, you say it's a camp game. It might be the campus game, actually. It, it just it's it's also kind of it's so overstuffed with things to do and see, and like random monsters that only show up in one area. You yeah. know, which are, you know a, is like a a naked lady with a with a big like monster growing out the front front of her um, <laughs> that spits like you know petrifying blood or whatever. It's just kind of there's so much excess in there. Um, and and the game kind of really, really kind of wallows in it. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, this extraordinary I, amount of um, pixel art, like just the sheer weight of yeah, those the number of, of creatures. Most of them are animated sort of fairly fully as well. They're not, you know, they're not just sort of static images or anything. They are. There's a lot going on, and yeah, a lot of them are confined to one particular hallway or one room. There are lots of rooms where there's just nothing else, but a. But a but a kind of you might not there's a there's a tower section where um there are these um uh, side passages which are often quite hard to see and one of them which which doesn't even go in the direction that is important to you because you want to go left right and this one goes off to the left I think um, and inside it, there is a um, um a kind of a, a, a confession box and if you go in there and you press up um, you'll sit down in it. And then a ghostly uh, priest comes out, sits down, and um, either gives you an item or more frequently causes loads of spikes to come out. <laughs> and if you go, if you sit down in, in his seat instead, a ghostly uh, woman comes in and gives you a confession. You don't hear anything, but it's just this animated sequence that would so easily missed. And it's just full of that stuff. I love the sequence uh, later on where you have the flashback to uh, Alucard's mother, the kind of mad, yeah. the mad dream section, which is kind of like horny and demented. Is the words I would use? It is it's horny so, and demented. It's so crazy, and, and you your just... mum is a succubus. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, She's not and, a succubus, but it's a succubus that's taking. It's a succubus things. that's doing it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can look through a telescope at a bit and see a man floating along on a boat, or a fish might plop. A fish plop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and just you know, there's there's tons and tons of stuff in there. There's also kind of crazy weapon builds you can do, which make you. In, you know essentially invulnerable yeah. um you know there's all kinds of mad builds you can go for and it has a kind of i think really before its time rpg kind of 
you know, it really wants to push you to have fun and to try stupid things out and kind of, um, you know, be be silly. <laughs> um, yeah, it really doesn't give a shit, does it? Like, it, like it, you you pick up so many weapons over the course of the game. They're just, you know, it's just another sword, and you kind of look at it, and the stats aren't particularly better, or maybe they're far worse, and you never use it. The game doesn't care. Like, it's just there. <laughs> you, it's something for you to pick up and something for you to experiment with. And there's usually some bizarrely secret ability to it. Oh, it's holy, which means, you know, it does incredible damage against stuff. There's all this sort of incredible, um, uh, you know, attention to systems, which it never really surfaces to you at all. Like, for example, when I first played it on 360 all that time ago, I didn't know about any of the magic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. You can completely miss the magic in the game. Yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't care. It, there, there is a way that it surfaces to you, but only if you buy scrolls, which are quite expensive, from the man in the library who who sells stuff. But so the man who, you, if you turn into a bat, you can fly up his japsy from the floor below. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it gives you yeah it's sort of and amazingly I mean I I love the just the the thematic um, attention given to the fact that hey you're a vampire so of course your special specialist powers are the ability to turn into a wolf just like Drac does in Dracula uh, some mist just like Dracula does in Dracula um, and a bat which do they all do all the vampires and um, if you turn into mist. And they all have all these special abilities that you'll upgrade over time. If you turn into mist, you just, you just walk through all of, you, you just float through every attack in the game. Nothing can touch you. There's a, there's a room full of exquisitely drawn pixel creatures, each with their own attack, um, animations and, and abilities. And, and they're all consummately produced, designed for you to, 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 to maul your way through or attempt to. But, and also, fuck it. Turn to mist, go straight past them. I mean, like you can't not love the game like that. No, no, I, I think I think you're right. And, and the other way, you know, it has the has this glorious map, which is this kind of you know complete steal from Metroid, but is just you know just fantastic, uh, and is still the kind of you know if you, if you play a Metroidvania now, it's they're always going to use a variation on that map, which sort yeah. of will hint at where the exits are in a certain area or what you have and haven't explored. You know, the, the introduction of sort of warp rooms to kind of help you, you know, move around quite, you know, quickly from place to place and the kind of mixture of uh, the sort of, you know, enjambement of them and, and save rooms as well kind of, you know, kind of push you to, you know, both grind, but also, you know, take pleasure in, you know, not having to backtrack too much. It all just seems so well, you know, laid yeah. out for you, basically. Yeah, the save rooms are the exact right spots. And the way it's that a you funny discover it, your way through as well. Go on, sorry. It kind of it anticipates so many of the kind of main features of what people love in games, you know, even today. Yeah. Like the secrets that you would find in a Dark Souls game are there in Castlevania behind, you know, illusory walls, basically. The Easter eggs of a Hideo Kojima game are, are all there in, in kind of various forms. Um, and you know the kind of a sense of discovery as well that you would also find in a in a kind of dark soulsy type form that kind of sense of an area being a reward in and of itself because you're seeing something new and you're meeting new monsters 
Um, and it might not even be an area that you actually need in order to finish the game. It might be optional, you know. Yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff is really apparent um, in that game long before I think it becomes, you know, sort of as common features as it is today. And, and celebrated today as well. I don't think anyone really understood at the time, probably. They probably you understand it on a kind of a gut level, but I don't think that anyone would have voiced or or or, or actually pointed out all of those things. It's the uh, unlocking uh, shortcuts as well. That, that happens all the time in, in Symphony of the Night. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's just grasp the low-hanging flute, but it Dark Souls owes all that, that whole series. I mean, I think it owes everything to um, Symphony of the Night, even more so than the Metroid, because Metroid, I think, is a bit more rigorous. Uh, it doesn't have the sort of loosey goosey sense of place that um that um symphony of the night has the way that it wants you to just go to the same places over and over and experience them at different states of power which um dark souls does and and you get very used to in symphony of the night you know that feeling of an area being really hard the first time you go through or it's you know quite a challenge and then you know towards the end of the game you're just sort of single hit killing or just bouncing over everyone it's yeah extraordinary I always, really i always think about the two series metroid and castlevania i always think about metroid being like um techno you know it's like it's serious and it's um complex yeah. and it's uh you know almost austere um and rigorous in its beats and then uh you know um Castlevania is much more like house music, you know, it's kind of exuberant and over the yeah. top and <laughs> sort of fun, you know. Um, and I've always sort of thought that they're the kind of two poles, the, the two poles of Metroidvania are the, you know, the techno kids versus the house, the house massive, you know. <laughs> That's very good. I just, then, and I think they knew it as well. I just, I just wrote, I read a note that I gave for myself. <laughs> when you die, the, um, the death card, whatever you call it, the death screen says, just has for no reason at all. Just let us go out this evening to pleasure. The night is still young. So, so good. They knew about house thing. Um, um, the inverted castle. I, I am on the first playthrough. I, I, I didn't play much of the inverted castle. I, I felt that I'd had enough by that point. And the inverted castle was initially feels very awkward indeed. And it's kind of meant to disorient you, I think. Um, you know, just to explain, at the end of um so it, you go through the steps of 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 the original castle uh you go off to to defeat where uh, to uh, dracula only to find that um belmont the very guy that you were playing at the start of the game in the in the kind of the fake start um uh is there and he's been possessed by a naughty demon or a naughty guy called shaft in order to enact the um the, the resurrection of um of of Dracula. Uh and you have to go through the steps. There are some you can do some alternative endings if you if you decide just to kill Trevor Bel- Belmont. But um uh the proper way to do it is to defeat the thing that um Shaft that has uh, uh that has possessed him. And then you go through a portal and you are in the the inverted castle. Uh Dracula has, unfortunately, you were too late. Dracula has been resurrected. And uh, the game basically, or well, not even basically, um, explicitly has reversed the whole castle. And now every uh, ceiling is now the floor and all the floors are now the, the, the ceilings. 
Um, the color is the color palette has changed in most places. Um, in some places, what were bosses uh, are now just normal grunts. Um, uh, the whole new set of soundtracks, whole new set of monsters that you haven't seen yet, a uh, whole new set of um, items, uh, all sorts uh, is lay, lying there for you to get uh, to do. Um, but I kind of did you did you did you play this when you um when you uh, yes. got to it? So so I I did yes um I did I I I knew about it um because I you know reading through walkthroughs it kind of uh you know clued me in. I can't imagine what it must have been like for the first people playing this game who got yeah. to that moment and thought they were at the end of the game because it feels like, like a meaty game. You feel you've got your money's worth by that point. I feel. Yeah, especially because it gives you so much, um, you know, leeway to piss about and just yeah. fuck around, like not, not, not completing it, and then to get to the last, last boss battle and realize, oh, there's like still basically a third of the game left to play, yeah. um, you know, a third extra. It's just, it's just wonderful. It's marvelous stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it, like it, it is a third, but it, I mean, it is the entire castle. But actually, there's, there's. And it is filled with monsters, but yeah, there's 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 less to collect, isn't there? You don't have to do quite as much. And, and you're, you've got all your abilities and your powers, yeah. so you can kind of blast through it a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, what what a superb um, swivel! And uh, again, like you know, the the fact in you know Dark Souls, there was you know areas like Ash Lake or the Great Hollow where. Um, you know they're hidden. You don't know they're there, and and they're there to be discovered, and they're there to give players that moment of of feeling like they're seeing something that most people won't see, and it's just yeah. you know that's such a glorious feeling when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So it's only it's only been um, uh, playing it after having gone back to to experience you know a lot of the other Castlevania games that I realised what the inverted castle is this incredible. Um, monument a love letter to the whole series that had been you know that that had come to pass so far um the bosses in that section a lot of them reference things like the bosses um in the very first castlevania um which i think is just fascinating like you know there's a um a a frankenstein boss that that does that a a bat which is actually recurring boss across the the, the series um there's this um you know, it, it, there are a lot of the monsters and things, you know, throughout the game, there are lots of monsters which um, are archetypes from previous games as well, like the floating eye, the zombies and all that sort of thing. Uh, the, the skeletons that kind of throw a bone in a loop, you know, sort of, you know, kind of... The flea men. The flea, the fucking flea men. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I think that the final, that there's a boss um, in there which are, are three fake characters of, of sort of... It says if you look at the the best jury kind of thing uh, when you go to the guy in the library, um, there's a best jury of every monster you've um, um, encountered, and when you go to the entry for this um, this boss that I'm going to talk about, uh, they are zombies uh, dressed up or or trying to pay themselves off as 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 characters from uh, the third game in the series. There's there's fake Trevor. There's fake Grant <laughs> and fake the, the the wizard woman, but I can't remember her name. But cipher, I, cipher. Thank you. None of these things I would ever have realised until I'd played all the other ones. But like, after all that the this game did to completely transform the series, um, uh, it then just spends a third of the game just gushing about it. It's fascinating. 
I love the bosses in the game generally. I, the, the the one boss which is the big mass of people. Oh yeah, that you kind of. <laughs> I mean, that remains a kind of really like technical marvel even now. It just yeah. kind of it's so spectacular and mad. Um, uh, it's a big. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a big mass of bodies in a big circle, and as you kill it, bodies fall off and they start. They get up and they start attacking you from the ground, and it's just. <laughs> completely insane um and like nothing nothing i've ever seen before really in a game it's just like it feels so unfiltered uh in a in a marvelously over the top way yeah it's just great. <laughs> yeah i was quite shocked about that because it's oh my god because there's like a real thump as the bodies hit the ground and then they yeah. get up and come towards you it's really gross and unnerving it's, it's fantastic <laughs> and then um the uh, just to just to I mean, I, I, there's so much more others to talk about, but we, we should get move on. Probably maybe move on to other other games. But I just want to call out the um, the 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 title, the the end music, the um, the the credits music. It's just sort of Kenny G. Sachs sort of <laughs> fucking ballad going on. Yeah, which is just so so welcome as well. So good. <laughs> it's funny at the time that it was just they didn't release it in the UK because they were kind of like you know um well i guess they thought well no one has a nintendo no one no one's played any of the original games i can just imagine someone in the room thinking this and also it's a 2d platformer and it's it's 1997 baby we yeah. don't do that anymore you know um yeah, the and the of, fact that it's the 3d game and then the fact that it's the game that probably holds up best out yeah. of all the games on the playstation one you know it still looks fantastic which i yeah. can't think of many other games that you could say that for um, absolutely agree and and I remember that time, you know, I was 12 in 1997. I remember that feeling of like 2D's over, man. It's, mm. you know, no one cares about that anymore. We're going to, you know, launch into the rich and textured cyberspaces of the first Tomb Raider game or whatever, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and so it's, it's weird. It's weird how, how brainwashed we were at the time to think that everything had to be, um, you know 3d <laughs> yeah and it, but it, but and it, it but and it uses it was no slouch because it does it uses 3d in the best ways you know putting a, a clock tower like in the distance and and um you know changing the angle you're looking at it as you move around like there's a beautiful uh cathedral room with these shafts of uh of stained glass light um uh playing out you know and, and changing the uh, sort of angle as you as you pan across the room it really yeah it's such a good looking game today the big sword boss which is a kind of 3d it might not be a boss it might just be an enemy but it's kind of a 3d uh uh disembodied sword which is another sort of series uh staple yeah but yeah yeah. fantastic game i you know super recommend anyone to play it uh legally if you can and uh uh you know i just it's just guaranteed fun i think to move on to some of the other games, I think it is slightly a problem for the series because, like, you know how in the Marvel Comics universe, Captain America, like, in-universe is this kind of amazing thing that they created that they can never quite get back to? Like, they're always <laughs> trying to recreate Captain America and they end up with, like, Deadpool or Wolverine and they try and recreate the metal that they made a shield out of and they end up with adamantium instead of the thing that his shield's made out of. And I do feel like they've kind of had that with the Castlevania series, yeah. the official mainline Castlevania series since then, in that there's a bunch of interesting stuff that they've made in uh, in the pursuit of capturing what made Symphony of the Night so great. And I'm really glad that they've done it because we've got some 
great games out of it. There isn't anything that captures, um, you know, it does not, they never quite managed to get back to it. <laughs> um, and I think they're all worth playing, even the bad ones, but they've, they've never quite recreated Captain America with those games. They always, yeah, they never get the excess, do they? No. No, they 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 just sort of almost do, <laughs> and even even Bloodstained uh, Ritual of the Night, which we'll come to, uh, that's a game that I think really really tries to you know deliver on that promise, and even that doesn't quite manage it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so so, uh, and I I think partly the problem is, I, I was really kind of surprised, rather shocked about um, how how little time there was between the games. So so after um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, um, it was a series of games on GBA, on Game Boy Advance. So it's in 2001, Circle of the Moon. 2002, Harmony of Dissonance. 2003, Area of Sorrow. Three games, three years. Um, it's difficult <laughs> to, you know, they did get better. Like the, the Circle of the Moon was a little crusty. Harmony of Dissonance, I did, I don't think I actually played it. This Harmony Distance, I think I played, but I've forgotten. Area of Sorrow is a good game. Hands down is a good game. And I really enjoyed play, replaying it over the past, um, again, I, re- recently. Um, uh, but, but before Symphony of the Night, and Symphony of the Night really does, really does stand proud of it. And that, that surprised me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny because I, yeah, I think as you're saying, like these were the ones that a lot of people came to first on there because they were kind of you know I, I didn't have I did have a GBA briefly, um, it was stolen from me um, on the banks of Lago Atitlan in uh, Guatemala after I stupidly <laughs> my dad got it for me as a sort of you know uh, here you go uh, I know everything's gone to shit at home but have a GBA <laughs> when you go off, when you go back 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 in uh, and yeah that was that was stolen from me although I didn't have any of the uh, I think I only had the uh, Metroid game on it, but um, sorry, I, I digress. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I think, as, as I understand it, that these games were among the best-looking games on the GBA. So, if you had a GBA, it was it was often what you sort of wanted was one of these because they were, you know, up there with kind of as close to kind of graphical showcases as, as there were on the system. Yeah, they were great, like all these kind of scaling sprites and sort of great big sort of screen-filling monsters, um, skeletons and whatnot. You know, great big yeah crawling skeletons fit through yeah. the screen i mean i played um i played through the first two quite recently because uh, this is great um collection that's come out for uh, switch and, and for other consoles as well the the gba advanced collection uh castlevania advanced collection circle of the moon is is fine it wasn't it was made without the involvement of koji igarashi who is the kind of mastermind of these games it kind of feels a little bit um uh, uh you know different because of that it's got a different move set it doesn't feel quite right um you know it's it's kind of it takes place in a slightly different feeling world um and it's slightly maligned these days people tend to tell you to skip it i think it's fine i think it's quite a fun game really it's got good music um it's got good jumping you know the jumping's still pretty good if not the the very very best um and uh you know you can spin your whip round it's kind of uh and and, and the graphics the graphics look nice you know the the, the graphics uh, it's quite stormy here i hope that's not picking up on this microphone uh the graphics are kind of appropriate castlevania weather but the graphics look nice scaled up i mean they still look impressive to my eyes um even though you know 
I think at the time they were far too dark, apart from everything else, uh, yeah. for the GPA yeah, that, that screen. Genuinely true. Yeah, that was very much the case. <clears throat> and then Harmony, Harmony of Dissonance, uh, which is the one where Igarashi came back to kind of set them on the right track, I think is a great game. Um, it's got horrible music because they sacrificed that to um, to uh, have more space for kind of more castle, which I think people were bothered by in Circle of the Moon. Um, so the music is this awful tinny chip tune, chip tune madness, which will just drive you insane if you play it. Um, much better if you just put the Symphony of the Night soundtrack on. Um, but it, uh, you know, generally, it's it's uh, it's a uh, the thing that's really good about it is it's a really big, rangy castle. Um, which has kind of alternate uh, alternate versions that you unlock early on. That's that kind of version of the inverted castle mm. and harmony mm. and dissonance. And like, I can understand people being bored by it um, and feeling like there was too much backtracking and too much busy work in it. For me, playing through it recently, you know, with a small baby on my lap, um, you know, uh, who will wake up if I make too much movement. It's just been perfect <laughs> to kind of, you know, and it's a really massive castle in that game. It just goes on and on and on and on. It's too big. Um, and that game is too big and too long and too boring. However, uh, if you like the jumping and the using the whip while you jump, there's not, you know, there's, there's kind of, um, uh, it's kind of great. <laughs> and also along with Circle of the Moon, it has, both of those games have really interesting system stuff, um, yeah. uh, to kind of delve into as well. Um, you know, I won't go into them in too much depth, but, you know, Igarashi is always experimenting with different kind of RPG formats and he often has very interest, interesting and unusual ways in, in doing that, you know, card combinations you can build towards to kind of spec in uh, all sorts of, um, you know, different builds that, that you can make. Um, one thing that kind of becomes part of the firmament of these games is the idea of sort of absorbing abilities from bad guys. And that can kind of be a frustration because often there's an incredibly low chance that things are going to drop. So vital items that you need become quite scarce. But generally, I think, you know, those those two games particularly, even though they're not as good as Aria of Sorrow and not as complete, um, there's a lot to be, a lot of fun to be had in them. And, and that collection on, on that you can get is a is a good investment if if you do like the jumping and the fiddling and the, and the, the Dracula ring. <laughs> and who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't like a bit of Draculin? <laughs> I played um, Hour of Sorrow on my GBA. On I, I used to work uh, in Epping. I used to live in central London, and I used to live uh, work in Epping um, in Essex. And the journey was long on the tube, uh, right out to the very end of the central line. And um, and I just played Hour uh, of Sorrow, just mopping up all the souls. So in that game. Um, the 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 kind of the the eager thing to 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 sort of pull out the the gameplay time and uh and a slot machine in slot machine style was yeah these souls every monster in the game um had a soul uh that would give you some sort of ability and you'd slot them into your uh your your character and i 100 percented it on these tube journeys loved it absolutely loved it but i knew no better at the time and but it it is a, it is a still a good game. <laughs> I do enjoy uh, the the sheer audacity of a lot of the swords um, being a very very large blade that appears when you when you press the, the the attack button appears above your head, pointing to kind of twelve o'clock, and then rotates um, usually <laughs> kind of 
like yeah. from if if you're facing to the right, it would sort of go, you know, spin from twelve o'clock to five o'clock, <laughs> and that's your attack. <laughs> and anything within its arc would get hit. Like it, there's a, you know, it's it's really fun to use. You know, it's really fun to kind of to jump into such and time the jump in such a way that the arc hits exactly what you want to, but it's, it's so goofy. So good. It does feel like a martial art developed by Hitler based on the sea Kyle, doesn't it? It's kind of, that's kind of what you're doing there. Um, it's very, very, very weird movement to see. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is clearly worked out so that you can be doing, as I as I have said, uh, <laughs> uh, the jumping and the, the swinging, jumping hit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the games. You know, since the earliest games, you know, they put things just above your reach. <laughs> you know, every single game has that as standard, doesn't it? That you're collecting your hearts, which in Castlevania are your magic points instead of using your It's so stupid. Yeah, like, to everyone, like, oh, thank goodness, I nearly was nearly dead. It's like, no, you're still nearly dead after picking up all of those hearts. <laughs> there's some, uh, there's some. I mean, you know, as I say, they're not quite the magic of Symphony of the Night. There's wonderful stuff in them. I can't. I think it's one of these ones where. Like it has the, you're sort of walking through the castle and it has the baddies who appear in the mirror as you walk past them. Mm, and it's mm. like a, it's, it's you, 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 monster dude, you. And then you you go back to the mirror that was the monster dude and he pops out and, you know, attacks you and stuff like that. Um, which is such a brilliant, you know, gag, basically. It's a joke. And it game. feels like it, you discovered it. Like it, it, it does capture that, um, that feeling that you identified in Symphony where you feel you noticed it. And you you feel like you discovered it, and you feel that oh, if I do something special with this, maybe something will happen. I don't believe it does, but the fact that there's this sort of potential is really special. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really good fun, and they they always they always I think that's always at the kind of forefront of what they're doing is is fun, <laughs> which is I guess is a weird thing to sort of draw attention to, but I guess it's a kind of it's almost like fun at any cost. You know, it's this kind of real kind of grab bag approach to fun, um, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, you know, you know, the original Castlevania games are all about precision and are all about, you know, a kind of almost like Stalinist attitude to fun, you know, <laughs> whereas the, <laughs> these games are much more, uh, you know, a kind of exuberant Mr. Tumble attitude to, uh, to, to fun. Um, yeah. Do you want to, um, do you want to talk about the DS games? Because I th- I'm pretty sure things I can't. I'm sure I played them. I know. I, no, I know I played Dawn of Sorrow. Although at least I've got the cartridge and I've got a save on it, and it says quite a high percentage level. So like, um, but I don't remember anything about it. Um, Portrait of Ruin. I watched a video of it, um, and it looked vaguely familiar. I have no idea whether I played it. I think this is the, the problem with this era. Um, of the of the games like this was uh you know it, for for many series it should have been the 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 halcyon days the fact that 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 konami was pumping out all these um these these metroidvania castlevanias um and yet they became a bit of a mush yeah not least because of the naming convention that I yeah. really wish they hadn't bothered with because it makes them impossible to... The fact yeah. that there's a game called Aria of Sorrow followed by a game called Dawn of Sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, they were. it was at least a sequel, but yes, it's it, not, yes, it is not a sequel. great naming. <laughs> yeah, these, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, these are the ones I've played the least of, apart from Order of Ecclesia, 
which is a oh, stone yeah. is a stone cold uh, masterpiece of a game. Uh, it doesn't quite have the you know the all time classic of um, Symphony of the Night, but it is brilliant. It's kind of a different a different kind of game, really. It's hard in a way that Castlevania games never are. Um, you know, well, at least diff- the 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 Rovi Castle ones. Yes, not, no, the, yeah. the, the since Symphony of the Night, they've all been pretty easy, although not not always you know quite as easy as that as that one. But no, Order of Ecclesia. <clears throat> which does feel like a kind of bold new direction for the games, which mixes the kind of, you know, it's kind of Twitch platforming um, and, you know, Twitch combat mixed with the kind of dense RPG systems that we've already had. And, and you know, I think it's a pretty gloriously beautiful and uh, well-conceived um, game. The other two DS games, like you say, they slightly just blend into the background. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're really, you know, fun. But for me... You know, if I'm firing up a DS emulator, um, that's always going to be the one I go for. Yeah. So I don't. I've got a hole in my um, my experience with Ecclesia. It's, its thing is a greater reliance on precision play and and RPG stuff. What's what's the thing that makes it great? It, it's. I mean, I would say is it, it is the difficulty level of it is is moment to moment is just more intense. You can't heal through the bosses like you can in, in most other mm. games. You know, the healing items aren't strong enough. You know, in uh, in Symphony of the Night and its antecedents, you can just pause and eat, like, biscuits and stuff uh, to bring your health back up um, halfway through a boss battle, and, and that's fine. In Order of Ecclesia, that's more or less impossible because they're not powerful enough. And the levels themselves are just more dense and difficult. The save get the save areas less common. Um, the um, you know the system for abilities is is you know you absorb abilities from enemies just as in other games, but it's much more um, focused on yeah your sort of moment to moment play as well. You can't rely on anything basically. You have to get good at the game essentially. At least in the uh, in the sort of first part of it, I think you know, sort of halfway through, you get a bit more powered. But it has a you know, it has a second level that you can die on, <laughs> which isn't mm. true of any of the you know. If you play, if I play through any of the previous Castlevanias, you know, from Symphony of the Night onwards, I tend not to die very much at all, really. Um, I mean, I'm using save states as well, but Order of Ecclesia, even with save states, you die constantly because it's hard. Um, uh, but what it also is, it's it's got quite a good story, which is you know saying something for these games. It's very it's <laughs> it's very beautiful. Um, the pixel art is as good as they ever did. You know, there's an animation. Your the character you play when she's absorbing an ability, she turns her back to the player, lifts up her hair to expose a a, a big tattoo that she's got on her back. Um, which then sucks in the the sort of ability from the recently departed enemy, which is just a, a wonderful animation, just kind of absolutely beautiful um, and never gets old when you see it. You know, it's kind of a, this weird kind of alluring, I've just put my hair up for a second, you know, sort of pose, which is just great. Um, and yeah, so that one is, is a, is a real, is a real uh, stunner that game. Yeah. I can see if I can try and, Resurrect my old DS and see what we can do. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like they're going to put out a collection of the the DS uh, games. I mean, they've done the original series and the uh, the GBA one, so hopefully the Castlevania collection will extend to 
uh, the uh, DS games because I'd like a how chance gonna, to play. How are you going to write the runes? I remember actually, I do remember one of the things from I think I guess it was Thomas Shire having to to uh, to use the pen because DS games <laughs> insisted on this kind of thing to use the pen to to write runes, and you'd kind of screw it up every time. I think it was most a lot of the magic was based on that. Yeah, and that's also I think one of the reasons why I haven't played them so much because on emulator that's a little bit uh, that's a little bit <laughs> tricky tricky to pull off. Uh, so it's my 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 law breaking has been there, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know I think I feel like you know they could they could emulate that pretty well on a, on a switch or a touch screen or something like that. That's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. Hey, um, and appara- apparently they're making on, games sorry. again. Apparently they're making games again, um, Konami, and and are going to you know commit to doing more stuff. So that's what they say anyway. So uh, I'm sure let's I'll see. Mean, I'm sure I'll just that. mean N- N- NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> let's 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 zoom forward um you mentioned uh, bloodstained uh as ritual of the night um which came out um two years ago three years ago something like that um made by igarashi himself and a, and a new team um and his new studio uh kick-started um what do you think I remember, uh, I think it was you at the time on the Crate and Crow pod proper said that the lead character managed to be both underdressed and overdressed at the same time, which stuck with me. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> she is. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, Bloodstained Witch of the Night, it's great. It's a really great game. It is kind of all the excess of Symphony of the Night, kind of without any of the cohesion. <laughs> I think it's an extraordinary <laughs> mess of a game, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's all over the place in terms of its design. I think it's kind of ugly in the way it looks. Yeah, it's three. Um, it's all three D, but it's yeah. it doesn't have yeah. It doesn't have the no elegance. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and kind of mad um, in terms of. Well, I, I guess I say it's mad. I, it's mad in a good way. I mean, it's actually a game I really, really like. The movement feels great. It lets you get really, really powerful. You can kind of you know. Mm one of the first spells you get is a basic kind of knife throw of the old Castlevania style. And I leveled that up all through the game and it was really good fun. By the end of it, I was sort of machine gunning people with, uh, with, um, you know, um, but no, I, I think it is a game that is an attempt to recapture the kind of fun of symphony of the night. And it is a lot of fun. Um, there's lots of, it's an enormous castle. There's so many different builds you can do, so much stupid stuff you can do. You can get an ability that turns you into a chair. Um, <laughs> you know, that's one of the spells you can absorb the chair. <laughs> doesn't do anything. You, you're just a chair. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, you know, a battle along a train. You know, you get a train yeah. halfway through this game in this big castle. Um, the ability, <laughs> the abilities are really good, fun. Um, and you get really powerful really quickly. And the game allows for that. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the game, the game's enemies kind of scale up in, in such a way that you kind of, uh, um, it's an enjoyable ride uh, rather than like, you know, a slog or, or, or just a blitz where you're killing everything in, in sight. Um, it's got a bunch of cosmetic stuff with like, you can get haircuts and you can change your outfits. It's got cooking, it's got crafting. Um, you know, it's got different characters you can play as by basically morphing into them, including like like bunny girls. You can be like a bunny girl ninja woman, uh, <laughs> and you can just play through the game as that. It's got like you know, 
one of the spells you get just inverts the level, so you get your inverted castle from Symphony of the Night. Yeah, but this yeah. time she just jumps in the air and goes, Invert! And the room turns around. Um, and that kind of obviates a lot of the bosses, if you can remember to do it, because it just makes them so easy. It's got a great, like, boner ending if you go and kill the first boss, um, uh, you know, really early on and don't do any of the optional stuff that kind of unlocks the rest of the game where you're kind of standing outside the castle at the end of the game, like, all right, well, guess we'll go home then. And then the game ends, you know, it's good, which is quite fun, which is the game's way of telling you to, you know, play it, go back to your save and play a bit more and, and uncover more of the castle. Um, yeah, and, and it just kind of a real diversity of areas of things to discover and stuff to do. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed it. It isn't a masterpiece in the same way that Symphony of the Night is, but it is, you know, the closest anyone's come to kind of capturing the madcap camp ridiculousness of that game. I don't know how you felt about it after banging through it. Yeah, and I feel very, much the much the same. Yeah, I mean, I was I was uncomfortable with the sort of the the modern kind of fan fan kind of fanish stuff in it. But um, but yeah, like I really did enjoy the power curve and the sort of the sense of kinetic sort of rushing through rooms. I that's that's a that's the feel that I wanted to, to to capture and it totally did um i didn't really and but then i i, I finished it and didn't really go back and, you know it was never I'd, I'd kind of forgotten it's quite popcorny in a way that um it, it didn't have a sort of a it wasn't that memorable i was kind of struggling to remember it as you were talking sort of like thinking oh yeah that oh yeah the chair <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot about the chair but you'd think that a game in which you turn to a chair you'd, you'd you know you should remember it but no it's um yeah, I um, yeah, I I think looking back on it, actually, I was weirdly more. I'm now I'm find more memorable. And I'm more interested in the fact that they also made that Curse of the Moon game, which is a sort of a pixel um, action, which 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 is styled on uh, the early uh, Castlevania games, and how fully drawn that was, and how. Um, imaginative and playful it is with uh, the legacy of the whole series and in in a, in a way despite it being clearly the slighter game clearly the game that isn't of as much interest broad interest to people um it's probably the one i find yeah weirdly more interesting yes i've, I've got those those games wish, wish listed because i think there's actually a sequel to the, that one as well that's and right I'd, I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to have a go at those because i think yeah, you can tell just by looking at some, you know, just by looking at some footage that they're made with a lot of, you know, love and care and and you know precision that is probably somewhat lacking from their mother game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will say that after after um, Bloodstained's release, you know, in that kind of Kickstartery way, they had a bunch of post-launch con- content, which apart from anything else, made it playable on the Switch. Like people will tell you not to play it on the Switch. If it's your place, you want to play it, play it there. It's fine. That's how I played it, and it was fine. Um, a little bit janky, but what you're expecting. Um, but actually, their post-release content has been pretty good. There was a randomizer mode that they made, which oh, yeah. is basically based on some of the sort of stuff that fans have been doing for years, and is really good fun if you ever want to mess around with a randomizer of any of the Castlevania games because they can do some extraordinary stuff where you kind of you upload your ROM to a mad website, and it will give you a bunch of options of how you want to randomize your game. You know, do you want to, you can set it so it, you know, completely randomizes all the items, you know, and, or all the bosses and, and things like that. 
And so in Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, they now, they were going to do a roguelike mod, but then they, they, they decided not to do that. And instead they did a randomizer, which is just immense fun because you can give yourself all sorts of mutators and difficult kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, things that make the game harder or easier or potentially harder or potentially easier, changing where items are, you know, changing where, you know, the enemy placement is fixed. I think that that's the thing that they couldn't get around. But it can completely turn the game into this kind of bonkers exercise in speed running. Like I was, I played a, a run of it which lasted 15 minutes because I got an item <laughs> that just meant I could, you know, I got an item early that meant I could just jump up to the main boss straight away from the very start of the game and, <laughs> and end the game immediately. Um, and, and, you know, the game, again, it, they've allowed for that. They've made it as silly as you like. And you can also share your seeds online and, and play other people's, um, you know, uh, roles of, of, of the world. Um, and I think that's really nice. I think it's nice to kind of, you know, look at the ways that the communities around these games have have kind of engaged with them, you know, in the, in the kind of interim and actually just sort of wholesale importing that into their game is great. And there's been a bunch of other stuff that they've, you know, thrown in as well, like different characters. And there's a, there's like a, uh, a kind of, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's called like, it's like a, uh, um, an old school kind of, um, NES version of the game, uh, where you sort of play through in a, in a particular, they basically rebuilt a kind of old school Castlevania, sequence of levels and you can play through that in a kind of twitch way as well hmm. um yeah and, and so there's there's all sorts of cool stuff in there that's that's um that is a real bounty of uh stuff that you can get into you know if, if you want to yeah i mean probably should go back to it probably should go back to it i am um, we i think we stand at a bit of a, a crossroads and like I, I think i think that it's pretty clear we're not going to be talking about the um the 3D Castlevanias because uh, there were some, there were at least two games on PS2, I think. There was one on the N64. I didn't play any of them. Did you play any of them? Nope. No, it's kind of outside of them. Yeah. You would have had to have gone back to play them anyway because we were kind of latecomers to the whole series. But yeah. So we're going to stay, we're going to, we're going to stay, stay. 2d i think we, we're standing at a bit of a crossroads so saying we've got some um uh we can go all the way back to the start of the series or do we go to rondo of blood now and then go back to the start <laughs> of the yeah well, just to keep things freaky and to keep you know if, if you want the the step-by-step uh, castlevania survey you can listen to the very good retro not episode that was out earlier this yeah, year Yeah, that was good actually yeah i enjoyed that yeah yeah so we keep it freaky with us um <laughs> I, about... I think that we should i think that we should d- do the fill in the bit before symphony of the night if we move up you know go from the start because um yeah and then and then go to the realm of blood and that would take us to loop us back to the start of the podcast i think that okay. there's a there's a neatness to that i think yeah totally um, i am um, uh I hadn't played. I mean, it's clear we've already talked about this, but just to reiterate, I hadn't played any of the um, the earliest um, uh, Castlevanias up until about probably um, six months ago, a year ago. Um, and I think I mentioned on the pod actually a long time ago, but or, you know, back then, um, I was just stunned by those games. I I probably blew it a little bit. I didn't play the first Castlevania first. I played. Um, Castlevania three first, and um, 
and I found it a really surprising game. I'd kind of, uh, it, it, it was initially it was stiff and awkward. Um, the jump in the game is one you have to commit to. There's no air control. So once you jump, you, you're, you've started a little arc that, that, that only the game is going to finish for you. Um, uh, when you uh, use your whip, uh, you your character stops in place if you're on the floor. So you feel vulnerable in the very moment that you're making a strike. Um, uh, th there's a movement to it, which is you, you feel slow. Um, things are coming to you, all these patterns. You know, you've got these um, Medusa heads that are sort of uh, swimming through the air on this kind of sine wave towards you. Um, everything's quite readable. Like, you know roughly where enemies are going to be coming to you. But I often, I, I was surprised by just how impotent I felt uh, to, to be able to cope, to, to be able to face them and beat them. Um, uh, initially, I found that very off-putting. But very quickly, actually, I realized I I started to really enjoy it. There's a real incredible rigor to it. Like every element of um, its um, action design is so beautifully considered. And every uh, enemy's attack and movement is fits with that impotence that you feel or at least uh, that stiffness um uh in a beautiful way a uh, really interesting way and then you realize that there are little things you can do now we've we've talked about the jump and attack and the jump and attack is like the castlevania thing and it's so important to the early games because the jump and attack as jamie knows um allows you to to uh to strike your weapon while still being able to move you know you're still sailing through the air you're on the arc but you're not going to stop moving in the way that you would if you were on the ground and it is the way to to keep moving to uh to be able to avoid stuff while also dealing damage and it's a real skill and it's like yeah that that was that was kind of my experience of kind of coming to these early games uh and realizing that they're they're fucking treasures they really are yeah, I would I would absolutely agree. I think <clears throat> they are the most I mean again it's it's such a tired comparison but I'm going to use it but like Dark Souls <laughs> owe so much to those games um because they are about obtaining mastery over a space which is incredibly hostile to you yeah. um but incredibly consistent in that hostility. Um yeah. once you've learned the systems of it it's an incredibly fair experience, you know, once you've learned how to not like fall off the stairs um, past the like <laughs> kill box of the screen, which is just the most irritating thing when it happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just like, God. oh no, I jumped off the stairs and fell. <laughs> you know, I was just there. I just climbed up that bit there <laughs> and now the screen has scrolled upwards and now that is certain death. Um, it's funny because, you know, Spelunky is obviously, uh, you know, a, a game close to, uh, you know, likely close to anyone who's listening to this is heart. And it's funny how much of, how well Spelunky captures the kind of joys of um, Castlevania, I think. You know, there's a reason why the, the weapon in, in Spelunky is a whip. And it's similarly, you know, when you first play Spelunky, you're like, oh, this whip's crap. And then, you know, eventually you come to realise that it's it's one of the best items in the game because yeah. you can always rely on it. It's always there. It's always going to do what you want it to do. Um 
And similarly in Castlevania, once you have, in those early Castlevania games, once you have learned what your character can do and learned how to, you know, use that to, to kind of, you know, take on this world, it doesn't exactly become easy, but what it does become is intensely satisfying to to try and master yeah. um, and and to play your way through. And and I think Castlevania one, uh, three, and four, um, which are all basically remakes of the same game um, from various angles, uh, are all just really really great variations on 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 that essential idea. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think. Um, uh... I mean the, the the general understanding, and, and it is, you know, it it. I think I agree with it as well. Um, that three really is a standout, and it and it and it is. I'm the the levels. Are, I I don't know quite what precisely it is about it, but it's something about the the atmosphere that it conjures. Like it's beautiful NES graphics. Like there's the the use of colors and just the 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 atmospheric nature of, of the game uh, combined with um, levels that are just the right length. They really, they never out, um, you know, outstay their welcome. They're always, uh, but they're not, they're also very challenging. They support all kinds of little secrets and things. There are other characters you can find and unlock. Um, there's the variety of places you go to. Uh, this is sort of like a, uh, um, uh, a choice of, of uh, routes through the, the game that you can take. So there, there are more places to explore after you finish the game. Um, it's a, it's a really good game. Um, sort of going backwards through them, um, the, well, actually, you know, uh, contrasting that with the first game, which was a much more simple, um, action game, which set all of the principles of the game, like the, it, to all intents, it does feel the same as uh, three does in the way that you move, um, the weapon sets you have, and that sort of thing. Um, l- let's talk about Castlevania one after three, though. Um, it, it's a much simpler game, much more straightforward. Um, you are going through its levels one after the other, um, and amazingly, well, we mentioned earlier on during the symphony bit of the, of the pod, but we, you know, you, you're, you're, you're creating, you're fighting like. 30s hollywood uh film creatures there's the the there's the frankenstein's monster there's the mummy um there's a massive bat is there a film with a bat in it from the 30s i don't know this <laughs> feels likely yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know it's really schlocky <laughs> like it's great it's got great fun. horror vibes like with that bat you 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 arrive in its arena and it's just up there on the ceiling just kind of waiting for you and then it and then it comes at you i love that it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but 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 despite that simplicity like it sets everything that would would come in the uh, the other NES games. Everything that was in three certainly, like the the move set, everything feels the same. The weapons, um, all of these things, uh, it it just got right from the very from the very start. Which is you know, which is always sort of strangely surprising to come back to. But then I suppose if something's successful, you only play the winners. And and if it was a winner from the start, then of course nobody's going to try and change it too much. So you know, maybe maybe that isn't so surprising, but. Weirdly enough, it often does feel like you know, they can't, they bottle lightning back then. Yeah, um, two beautiful, beautiful music as well. I would say. Oh yeah, yeah. just really like stunning use of, of chip, chip music. Um, you know, to kind of build this kind of 
orchestral gothic vibe, you know, I just absolutely love it. Um, and then the kind of, you know, the level music is wonderfully propulsive and... Uh, driving tunes. Yeah, it really is driving tunes, yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, we didn't talk much about the sort of sound design, but again, in Castlevania yes. 3, the sound is just lovely and, and crunchy and chunky and all the right kind of satisfying sort of noises that they're making. Um, uh, you know, uh, we didn't talk about Vampire Survivors, which is the game at the moment, <laughs> but like that game, like straight up lifts a bunch of its sound effects from from the uh, Castlevania games to great effect. I think you know the sound of the cross, the kind of sort of thing it makes, which is just deeply cool. Yeah, yeah. I was, I made it. I was, oh yeah. I'm not sure. Vampire Survivors, you know, is 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 like a. A delirious kind of um, love letter to, to to a game, which in all other way, other ways other than the style that it takes, uh, has no relationship with at all. But it's, well, it's almost like he it's almost like he threw a dart in his bedroom and it hit a Castlevania poster, and he thought that'll do. <laughs> Use yeah. that theme, and it could but have I'm been Sonic. It. It could have been Do it well <laughs> and really take every aspect. You know, I, could... I mean, if you, if you like pasty aristocrats in low slung V necks with ruffs, I mean that's every character in that game, isn't it? So. <laughs> um, like. And, and I, I also enjoy the journey that the, the, the first three games t- took, which is sort of, we'll do it simple the first time around. And then, you you know, it's successful. And I can just imagine um, the kind of the, the team behind it just going, wow, that was successful. But what people really want to do is a free roaming adventure where they get to just like, you know, go to villages, like an, an RPG that you could just get to to visit this land. And it's their they're, they're, they're Castlevania levels. Um, and that's Castlevania um, Two. It's not called Two, is it? I can't remember what it's called. It's called. It's, um, it's got the most rock and roll name of all time: Simon's Quest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is all is never not going to be hilarious to me. Yeah, Simon's so Quest. Good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, they were, there's a crazy thing that they would do in that era. They did the same thing with Zelda 2, I think, where they're like, let's make a game that is in many ways like 15 years ahead of its time, yeah, yeah, but yeah. also more or less unplayable. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I, I, I haven't really gotten very far with it because it just so, feels so sprawling. There's some really cool stuff with like the, the nighttime um, thing where, where it, uh, there's a day-night cycle sort of that, that runs in real time. Well, not in real time, but, you know, it... it time persists as you play and uh uh the enemies become twice as tough at night but they drop twice as much stuff like money that you'll need to invest in stuff um and uh which is a cool idea kind of but then you sort of go i just uh, this is a slog it feels i know there's people who really love it um and i'm sure there's some excellent kind of secrets to be had in it but for me, it's just it's it's too unforgiving when you when you start playing it. It's too. It's but I think too it continues that way. And, and, well, in the yeah. very first village that you're in, which is a sort of weird village because it's a platformer uh, still, just like the, the original, all the you know the original Castlevania. Um, so you're kind of going along platforms in the sky and on the floor, and if you miss a miss a, a platform, you will plunge to your death <laughs> in the middle of a village, a friendly yeah. village. <laughs> um, and these there, there are these people wandering around, and um, if you talk to them, they will give you extremely oblique hints about it, very important secrets that you'll require, like a completely 
abstract things that you need to do in order to to gain access to you know mission critical things um and a lot of them and they also lie <laughs> i think somebody <laughs> says in the first village that 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 such and such is a liar and it yeah. turns out that quite a few of them tell you incorrect information but <laughs> there's a part of me that really loves that idea because because this is the era of games um ba- based on hearsay because you're hearing about them in your in your playground we weren't because we didn't, none of us had nezes but no, in america someone was. americans were yeah americans were <laughs> in the schoolyard <laughs> they were you know sharing information and and theories and testing stuff out and coming back to discuss God. it Nothing's going to scare me more than an 8-bit video game that has consumable items on sale in it. <laughs> That's just the most anxiety-provoking thing. You're it like, well, hello, I can sell you some biscuits. And you're like, do I eat them now? Do I eat them later? Do I have to eat them you know, before a boss? <laughs> are there going to be more biscuits or is this all of the biscuits I'm ever going to get in this game? You know, like, What are the terms of this purchase? Am I spending £1,000 on it or 5p? It's just they never let you know what economy you're in with those things. And it's always so frightening to encounter. And it's only through like multiple, multiple, multiple playthroughs and <laughs> lots of discussions with your friends that, yes, yeah, hell, I, I don't, I, I started it and I will never play it again. <laughs> one, one thing I like about it is in in Rondo of Blood, which we'll get to, the burning village that you go through at the beginning of mm-hmm. that game is the village from Simon's Quest. Yeah, fuck um, you, you know, Simon's Quest. Yeah, fuck you, Simon's Quest. We're going to set it on fire and fill it with skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to, so the, the game, the series then just sort of did this sort of slalom course through remakes. Um, so there was obviously um, Castle, Super Castlevania 4, which another title that makes no fucking sense because, <laughs> because, because it's not a re it's, it's, it's not the fourth game in the series. It's not even the fourth game that came out and um, it's a remake of the first, except for it changes almost everything. Around the same time, there was, um, and I'm going to say this wrong, this is the Japanese name for the series, Anjajamanu, I don't don't even know. I I misspelled (laughs) it in my notes, so I don't even know how to say it. Anyway, Anjajamanu Dracula, I'm sorry about my pronunciation, came came out for the uh, X6800, which was this um, fucking amazing uh, Japanese computer, which, uh, which I've which has just come out and I've banged on about this on the podcast a lot of times now, and I'm going to do it again. Um, I, on the Mister system, which is like a hardware emulation system and a, a core has been around in it for a long time, but it was recently completely revamped and make and made very playable. This whole slot of uh, screed of, um, of, of Japanese computer games, which, which are really hard to play anywhere else. And, um, and one of them is this, is this Castlevania game, which is again a remake of the first game, or whatever it is, a remake of one of the games. I don't even. It's 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 the same remake as, as Castlevania Four, anyway. Um, and it's oh, it's so good. The, the um, the whip sound in that game, it does this <laughs> whoosh. whoosh it's so good. It's the most sharp. Like you just every time you do it, you just go yes. <laughs> and when it hits something, it's just so positive about it. And this game, it gives you air control as well. Um, and I, I was just going to say um, that it, it has this shittest thing that it does on you. Horrible thing. Um, in the castle area, uh, t- close to the start of the game, um, 
you uh, you know you know that um that uh, level design pattern that's in a lot of the Castlevania games where you've gone through the entry uh corridor and then you come into the area where usually when you go down you'll go into the system the sewers with all the fishmen right Yep, some jumpy fishmen, yeah. Yep, and usually the game wants you to go through the fishmen and then come back up again because there's a large bouldery thing and your jump isn't high enough to get past this thing that allows you to go from that chamber that goes down to the thing, uh, straight across. And there's probably um, going to be a, like a big pig that's going to chase you at that point. Uh, in this game, uh, you go down some steps and there is an, an, uh, there's a there's a, a a thing on the wall for like a, a candle on the wall to get um, a heart. So you do that. But if you mistime your strike, you'll hit the wall and the wall will break and it will not reveal food, which is another one of the series' things. It will reveal infinitely spawning flea men <laughs> who then just swarm <laughs> you and kill you. It is the tr- most trollish thing in, in the world. And I kind of love it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Anyway, so that so um, you, I think that you yeah that, talk to me about Castlevania Four. Oh man, I love Castlevania Four so much. I mean, you know, to some people it is kind of you know the the lesser game because it is you're more powerful in it. You've got this, you've got multi-directional whip now that you can basically hit, you know, anything from any point in the game. You yeah. know, you've got super OP whip. Um, and it is a much less precise game. I think it does a really good job of being like the noob's choice for a Castlevania game because it's still yeah. really like brutally hard. Yeah. But it is also kind of uh, you are more powerful in it. Your your jumping and your whipping is more powerful, and you know you can build up your character with with, with the sort of special items uh, and. It's just great fun. It's it, the music is fantastic. The graphics still hold up really well. You know, there's a level which kind of rotates, um, you know, round you, um, which I gather at the time was an absolute mind blower to the mm. play, people playing it, and still still looks really great now. Um, for me, when I turn on the Castlevania collection on my Switch, that is the one that I always end up playing mm. um, because it doesn't take quite so much concentration and I'm not going to get quite as much out of it, I think, as I would from Castlevania three. However, for like pure dumb fun um, and enough kind of, uh, you know, twitch twitchiness in there to kind of keep it interesting. I think it's, I think it's a really wonderful game. Again, fantastic music, fantastic pixel art, sound design. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a perfect game in many ways. It's mm. just less rigorous than, than what's come previously. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, 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 I get far in it on a single kind of go, and so that I like it for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what I was just saying in in those so many words. I think I might you might have just uh, translated me there. <laughs> also, you can swing your your, your, your whip around. You got this little limp, <laughs> this limp little whip if you hold down yeah. the attack button, and then you can move the use the D pad to kind of whirl it around in an extremely ineffective way it's so good <laughs> yeah it, it really is a game that is kind of deeply horny about the the multiple powers of whips isn't it you're kind of it's your <laughs> you're swinging around on it you're twirling it around the fact that it drops down loosely by your side once you swung it is just kind of yeah ridiculous um but really good fun yeah so so did you did you play much of bloodlines which was which was the Mega Drive, the Mega Drive take on Castlevania, 
And I, I just love, I love how different it is. It's just, it's, it's like, you know, Nintendo prim and proper and, you know, it's going to give you a good, a, a, a really generous game, uh, which, which is, you know, honest and, 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 and true to its, 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 its beginnings, but it's, it's generous with it. But then the Mega Drive game. <laughs> <laughs> I think like they, maybe there was an office at Konami and they like, they got a picture, which was a, of a, an American kid um, with blonde <laughs> hair and a backwards baseball cap <laughs> and, uh, and uh, a t-shirt with a sun, with some sunglasses on it. Uh, a, a son wearing sunglasses and he's sort of sneering at you. Um, and he's going to like <laughs> probably call you a, you know, a, a word that begins with F if you're not cool. Um, and they said like, this is our target audience for this game. This is who we need to make this game for. And then everything was catered towards that one, you know, speculative American kid who probably lived in Florida. Um, and that, <laughs> and they made, they made bloodlines because it is like, it is just a kind of deeply moronic, but kind of fun and <laughs> and glorious take on the Castlevania kind of thing. I think just like made with a mixture of contempt and, and sort of joy uh, in what they were doing. Uh, it's it's a good game. It's it it feels like it plays like Streets of Rage, but Castlevania. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like great throws gouts of blood all over the screen. It's like your your character is huge as well and like very muscly. Like it was definitely that sort of era of the kind of pumped up kind of kind of glistening meat men uh, (laughs) and um and and but it but it i i was just like two characters you get to choose between two characters one is a whippy guy and the other has a a fucking spear and controls like nothing else in in the entire series and bouncing up and like be able to reach incredible heights just bouncing around and and i don't know i yeah i i that's an excess which i don't know there's a, there's little shadows of um of symphony of night in there i think yeah i i need to go back and, and play that one again actually it's on the, it's in the collection i think because uh i've only ever played yeah. through the, like the sort of first third of it or something like that and i, I yeah i, I don't know. think I've, I've played maybe half of it so far but it's like I, I do also like the fact that it's a uh, um, it takes you to all these different locations. So you you, you go to Greece, <laughs> of course, and like with a flooding level. So you've got to make your way up, fighting your way as a, as a level floods. Um, and yeah, I, it's a very um, it it it's very much interested in spectacle, which um, which I think the you know there are there's sporadic moments of spectacle in um in the previous series you know it's usually quite controlled about it like and it wants you to believe you're in a castle and you know it wants you to feel that that areas fit together um and so there aren't many kind of contrived things like you know a, a flooding level and those sorts of things you know there are those kind of amazing mode 70 things in in um in uh castlevania 4 on the snes but but it this one is the set piece game, um, which makes it, I think, has you know, in my experience, feel quite sort of bitty, and you know, and and without the you know wanting to put you in the world of of of, of Castlevania, um, it doesn't feel like a Castlevania game at all. But yeah, it's a it's a properly good game. I think I'm just conditioned as well that whenever I hear something coming out of the Sega Mega Drive sound chips, <laughs> that I just 
I'm just instantly, you know, like there's that like thing you can the do with burbly, like, rubbly, rubbly, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Effects. Like there's that thing you can do with like cat kittens, where like if you pick them up by the scruff of the neck, they sort of hang hang loose. I don't suggest anyone does this, but I think it's something <laughs> to do with their mothers and how they pick them up and they just go limp. And I think that's what the Sega Genesis, you know, sound card does for me. I'm just kind of it just puts me into a kind of pliant state of kind of uh, uh, nostalgia <laughs> yeah, I'm very suggestible <laughs> um, yeah oh yeah that's good hey so um, I think um, we should talk about the last game this is a good joke should we know well no, we hadn't talked about the I've thought about talking about the um, Castlevania 2 which was on the, the Game Boy but I haven't played that much of it did you play much of that one the, the Game Boy Castlevanias. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're fine. I mean, as mm. I said at the start, like, they were my only um, uh, uh, kind of experience of Castlevania games for a long time, and they were just prohib- prohibitively hard. Um, but I've since gone back to them and played a fair amount of both of them. I think the second one is considered to be the the far superior. Um, I mean, it, it's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. It's a Game Boy game. <laughs> it's, it's, you know... Yeah. It's weird playing a Game Boy game now. They feel like they've kind of fallen out from another dimension. They're just sort of so, so strange in how they look and feel. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of all my only feelings about those games. Really, the yeah, jumping yeah. feels good. The jumping and yeah. the hitting is all there. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the final game that we're going to talk about, uh, which brings us. Uh, at its conclusion to um, to the start of the podcast with uh, Symphony of the Night, the Rondo of Blood, um, which which was really hard to get your hands on back in the day because because um, it was on PC Engine on a CD game on on PC Engine, which put it out of the hands of almost everyone in Britain. I would say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've only played it very recently, um, and so as we said. Um, the conclusion, the climax of that game is the start of uh, Symphony of the Night. Um, and, you know, it's a really good looking game, you know, and on hardware that I've actually grown to, you know, through the mist to really love. I, you know, I think the PC engine is, is just the games on that game, just on that, on that machine, just something about them. And Rondo Blood, I think, is one of the very pinnacles. It's a beautiful, beautiful game. Lovely, lovely art, real sense of color. But the thing about Rondo of Blood is, this is where the series really, like, this is where Symphony of the Night decided to be crazy. And this, this Rondo Blood wants to tell you a story and it wants to be dramatic and it wants to, yeah, like, it's got a real air to it. Like, this game starts very similarly to the Ali Card start in, um, uh, Symphony of the Night, but this time you are, Probably a Belmont. We've said, haven't we? You're Trevor Belmont. Simon, Belmont. you're a Belmont. Trevor Belmont. But it's Trevor Belmont. I think it's um, Trevor. Yeah. You're on a you're on a carriage, rushing <laughs> through a forest at night in a storm. Uh, the, the 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 trees are scrolling by you at sixty frames a second. It's beautiful, and then death appears, and you have a fight with death on your carriage uh, as you're driving through the forest. You defeat death. You. Uh, you jump uh, and then you're at the start of the level, you you know, you're into the castle. um, Like, yeah, I've mangled the end of the description, but it's a really beautifully, just such a brilliantly dramatic start to the game. 
Well, also, you know, got this prologue, which is in German. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about the German prologue, yeah. The German yes. prologue, which if you play the game like I did on Emulator, you're like, oh, have I got a German yeah. version of the game? It's like, no, no, no. They wanted it to sound gothic and weird to the Japanese yes. audiences, so they, they had it done in... They had the opening crawl done in German. I mean, Mission But it's anime as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's like anime. It's like cheap anime, <laughs> like animation of all the kind of stuff going on there. Um <laughs> And then, and then again, like this game establishes the story in the game, which is more or less non-existent. But again, it establishes this precedent of Dracula talking absolute bollocks all the time. <laughs> I again, I just I don't know where they got this idea from, um, but I love it that like every encounter with Dracula must must be you know kind of very quickly confronting the whole idea of existence <laughs> itself, and that he would talk in these kind of mad philosophical tantrums well he's had a um, lot of time to think you know yeah so. i guess so <laughs> i guess so yeah he's waiting for the one person to turn up to listen goes, to listen to it. <laughs> someone to listen i could give you some of my my thoughts about brexit <laughs> i've been um and there's a little girl in the game as well the story's mad i mean one of the things that's interesting about playing it today uh is that if you it's weird because that system, which I'd never heard of until I heard of the game, you don't really know what it is and isn't capable of. Mm. So when you're playing it now, it sort of it looks, you know, you know, more or less, um, you know, like Super Castlevania Four. I mean, it looks it looks a fair bit better, but not that much better. Um, you don't know what you know. It's got music that is clearly an incredibly high quality, and we'll yeah. come back to the soundtracks as one of the best video game soundtracks ever. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it is voiced and it's violent. But it's also a kind of Castlevania game. It, it, there's a real sense. I find it quite a dangerous feeling game to play because it's so explosive in how it presents itself that you're not quite sure what it what it's doing or where it's going or yeah. or, or kind of your place in it. And I, yeah, I mean, it's just a it's just a bloody brilliant game apart from anything else. Um, Multiple paths, uh, loads of secrets, so that you can play as a little girl. Like she's the other character in the game. And if you didn't follow any walkthroughs or spend time kind of exploring <laughs> everything in the game, you will never come across her. Um, and she is, that character is extraordinary. Like this flash of mod modernity, like, because um, uh, Trevor Belmont uh, uh, generally controls just as um, the Belmonts of, of the earlier games, you know, the but although I think you could uh this is the game where you can jump onto the stairs. Like you you don't have to start from the stairs. That's a huge deal at the you time. Can you jump can jump onto <laughs> the stairs. Very important. Um but otherwise you I mean the the one flaw I feel with this game is the is it just it really does the, the problem of the stairs is just it really amplifies like it just lays it bare where if you're standing anywhere near stairs and you want to use one of its magical attacks, which is uh the the, the button combo up and uh, attack um, uh, up also takes you up the stairs and you're going to do that instead of making an attack, which has killed me so many times. Anyway, um, uh, so, you, you know, with the main character, you're playing Castlevania Revolt and then you find Maria who has a completely different moveset, totally different. And, and I don't think any other platformer felt anything like or did anything like what she was doing but it's quite familiar now because she has a double jump which which is which is quite weird and and 
oddly floaty and sends you in a trajectory that you don't quite expect, but is really expressive and allows for a great variety of different um, options, you know, as, as you control her. Um, and she also has an attack which throws out doves <laughs> in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> you then loop back up on themselves. And so she's easily the easiest way to play the game because she's so powerful. That's she's right. That's where, that's where the vampire... The vampire survivor doves come from, isn't it? I've just realised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where it's yeah. from. <laughs> it's all, they're all references. Yeah, no, it, it knows it's, it knows it's um, is where it hit the, the, the dark. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, she's she's incredibly powerful, and then she has these magical attacks, which are also powerful, like a dragon and other <laughs> other uh, creatures, which are referenced at the start of. Um, um, simply the night because if you if that in the prologue section if you uh are defeated or if, you, if you, your health bar goes to zero when you're fighting dracula which it always um, does for me yeah, yeah. Uh, a maria will appear and uh she then uses some magic spell which create which shows off all of the um animal spells that you use in rondo of blood she's she's real you know i've a real surprise uh this kind of flash of modernity and and utter oddness when you die like as jamie said uh it it feels quite dangerous in places like this game because it's because of all the blood because because you don't know quite where it's taking you um and when and it will kill you very you know like a lot of levels are very very hard um but with maria when you get a game over screen the game over is is is, is spelled out in great big toy like colorful blocky <laughs> writing <laughs> which like why who knows um she, she's amazing <laughs> that's so deeply creepy uh the soundtrack one of the greatest uh, of all time in video games i think is just amazing it is you know i think you know i'm a big fan of the like everyone the sort of streets of rage soundtracks which you know really tried to push the boat with how, how audacious the arrangements were and i think rondo of blood is is up there with with those it's just these really over the top bombastic um kind of uh showy offy almost you know they're kind of uh, completely over the top um uh songs uh which loop very very you know the loops of them are quite short yeah, but it doesn't yeah. matter it doesn't matter because they yeah. are so good yeah, and one yeah. thing you can one thing you can do on spotify is actually is, is listen to the sort of various permutations that the konami sound team have done for you know songs like um, bloody tears or or stuff like that where there's, there's clearly a bunch of people trying to outdo themselves in how over the top <laughs> and how much they can twist these songs into being more and more bombastic and it's so much fun to to listen to the you know the games that have come since or the various remakes and stuff like that um have, have kind of taken what is introduced in this game and kind of tried to run with it and it's it's just insane music um uh yeah and it just it's so much a part of the experience of playing the game you can't imagine it without it uh yeah 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 no it it, it really is it is really good and, and like yeah as you said the the short looping the short length of each piece because it's running off a cd rom um uh and the fact that it doesn't get tired is yeah it like demonstrates that completely um uh I really like the sense of place that it has as well. There's a ship level where you're just sort of fighting across the deck and then down through the the you know the top deck and then down through the the lower decks. Um, 
when you're at the edge of the ship, um, it shows you the water that's outside of the hull of the of the ship. Um, and you kind of, you know, this is a series where you kind of, you're going to peer into the water expecting something to come through or something to be visible because it's the sort of game that would do that. I don't think it does. But, but you know, the fact that it's there is, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier on this, but the, you believe in the potential of doing that. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, I, so many different areas and they're so distinctive um and it's yeah i find it really hard so i've also played them a lot each of the levels a lot so uh, <laughs> it's funny think- isn't it? It, it it is a game in, in in that era where it does kind of it quite literally almost exists on a kind of weird frontier where it's on this kind of one-off console that never went anywhere that had this you know relatively brief lifespan um and it does feel like that is what the series needed is they needed a game like that which was a kind of crazy stab in the dark um with with kind of some things that they were you know new technology allowed them to do certain things but also you know restrictions as well and that's kind of what igarashi needed to kind of fire him off into into something like symphony of the night you know to kind of a game that is sort of an anachronism really um you know compared to all of its contemporaries and you know the, the amount of madness that's in rondo of blood and the, and the amount of kind of joy it takes in the kind of gore um and and kind of spectacle of things it, you know it, it it does make it seem like you know there's almost a sort of an alternative universe almost where doom was the only game like doom that ever came out and then you know it kind of it was this kind of complete flash in the pan and then everything went in a completely <laughs> different direction you know it just feels I know that's not what happened, but it almost feels like it's a kind of version of that where it's this kind of complete aberration onto what games were at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do wonder about, you know, what where, what place did this have at Konami? Because cause PC Engine was, yeah, it was an outlier of this machine. You know, Hudson, I believe, was actually giving uh, companies money to make games for it because it wasn't really performing against, um, you know, internationally, certainly against um, what, you know, Sega and and, and uh, Nintendo were making. Um, CD-ROM was this sort of exciting idea, but, but, but a real mess, and certainly at Hudson to kind of make it all happen. Hudson had these sort of engineers that they would just sort of fly into uh, the game, you know, these external or not external, these rival game developers like Konami to help them produce this stuff. And I just wonder, you know, was this something they, you know, were Konami paid to make this game by Konami, by by Hudson? And therefore it was just this sort of, nobody really cared about it, you know, because it was going out to die on this kind of console that, 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 that didn't look like it didn't have much, had much of, much of a future. Um, or, you know, or or maybe that freedom is what you were hinting at, that, that, that it gave Igaraki this sort of space without people on top of them kind of telling him what to do. You know, he was able to explore, hey, let's put a load of blood in. No one's going to care. <laughs> you get you get some similar, similar games on the Dreamcast as well. You get kind of, um, you know, on, on a kind of doomed console, I guess there's that kind of weird feeling all of like, fuck it, let's just see, <laughs> let's just see what we go, that we go with this one, you know, and, 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 and I think, you know, that's, that's a nice attitude to have sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I believe that, however, that, that, I mean, we, we're kind of talking about sort of that trajectory that, that went from Rondo's blood to Symphony of the Night as being this, you know, this obvious, 
improve like this obvious sort of step upwards you know this sort of this success and automatic success but i i don't think the symphony night actually um sold very well i think no it it, it didn't it, it it subsequently became a classic but it it was it didn't sell particularly well i don't think yeah um and it's it's funny because i don't know the, the the sort of that moment in time when the metroidvania became a thing i mean that was a label applied to it much later um, the games within the genre were literally the game named by the genre name. And it took so long for them to kind of catch on beyond that. Um, it's, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's such an unusual form that he came up with um, after Rondo of Blood. Um, and it is very distinct from the sort of Metroid version as well. It's a kind of you know RPG mixed with mm. platformer, mixed with you know all that kind of stuff is a really unusual leap to have made um and it was so unusual that no one really knew how to grapple with it for quite a while i mean it took until i think hollow knight coming out um when someone had generally genuinely made a igarashi style castlevania game um you know which which was properly fully featured and properly you know, conceived in every direction. There'd obviously been things like um, the Ori in the Blind Forest and, mm-hmm. and 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 those kind of games, and and, and plenty of, of Castlevania likes that you'd play on Xbox Live or something like that. But for me, it took it did take until Hollow Knight for a game to be like let us like fully engage with the fundamentals of what a Igarashi style Castlevania game would be and turn it into something different. Um, and I think, you know, lots of the other games that have come, you know, subsequent to that or around the same time um, have got a lot to a lot going for them, you know, blas- uh, Blasphemous and, and, and things like that. Um, but I do think um, Hollow Knight aside, which is a, a really kind of 10 out of 10 game probably, mm-hmm. it's a real, it remains a real, like, white whale <laughs> to make mm-hmm. a good Metroidvania game. Yeah. Because what, what, is specific to Castlevania is and, and to Symphony of the Night is so chaotic and, and difficult to grasp um, that that it's kind you're kind of setting yourself up to fail if you attempt it. And even the guy himself, even uh, Igarashi himself, struggles with that. You know, and the industry at large struggles with that. You know, Konami wouldn't make another Castlevania game, and, and I think even you know it was in the era of um, Hideo Kojima working basically as the boss of Konami at that point, who, who was, you know, struggled to sort sort of see what those games, how those games fit into his vision. Um, so it's, 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 it's so, it's, it's a weird genre to be talking about because there are almost in that same way of immersive Sims, you know, how immersive Sims is like 12 games tops, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's the best genre. And I feel the same way about Metroidvanias really, that there's like a very limited pool, um, of of goodness, um, uh, which makes it a very special thing. But also, you know, it's kind of it's it's frustrating that there aren't. You know, by rights, there should be a whole bunch of uh, Castlevania branded Symphony of the Night likes. You know, coming out all the time, and and you know, there aren't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think I disagree with that. But for the first time, I think I disagree because I think that its its specialness is the fact that it isn't all over the place, and I think its specialness lies in the fact that it's really hard to grasp exactly what its formula is as you were saying you know you know how can you make it when when it's even hard to recognize you're playing it and you know 
it takes teasing it out in long conversations to kind of, oh yeah, that is the thing I love about this. And that's the, it's the craziness and, you know, it's, it's, it's the fact that any one of its pieces is eminently, uh, you know, something that can be criticized, but they come together in as almost through accident that into something that's different. And that's, yeah. I'm You're right. It's, it's, on its, own. it's kind of like a big tentacle sort of flailing around, isn't it? The way these, the way the game articulates is so organic and weird and kind of into it's sort of a very internal feeling game. It's someone like feeling their way through what they want to make rather than bothering to, you know, worry about what other people are going to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And that is a very difficult thing to pull off. Um, yeah. uh, because, you know, you could just as easily make something that's an absolute mess. Wow. Thanks, Jamie. That was a good, um, I enjoyed getting to talk to you about the Castlevania games. I feel I've been playing them, you know, very much on my own. So it's been, it's been good to, you know, they are well known. And yeah, I don't think that they're much talked about other than just as, as symbols. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you've. I'm glad I wasn't wrong as well about feeling that I like them. <laughs> well, thank you again, and um, yeah, I think that's it for this lock-in at the Crate and Crowbar about Castlevania series. Um, you can hang out with us and our community and on our Discord channel. You can find the link at our website, which is at crateandcrowbar.com. If you want to talk to us by email, you can send your emails to questions at Crate and Crowbar. Um, uh, uh, you can also listen to the show on YouTube where you'll find our various spin-off projects. Uh, that's at youtube.com uh, slash Crate and Crowbar. Crate and Crowbar is kindly funded by our Patreon backers. If you'd like to know more about supporting our podcast and its spin-offs, uh, visit patreon.com slash Crate and Crowbar. <laughs> I've been Alex Wilshire. I've been Joe Britton. Thanks for listening. Everybody. Smile.